Good morning, everyone. I am Steve Rossi. I'm a pastor here at the Gospel Tab, for anyone who might not know me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just really appreciate your prayers. It's cool how God's emphasizing, right, global missions. Um, our church is uh, often, I think, focused uh, heavily on local because of how much we have going on in direct ministry here. And it's so good. And uh, as we prayed for Henry Hart last week, who's in the Dominican Republic, Michael Witterman and some others, uh, Jeff Francona, some others were there the week before, connected to the same ministry, related to one another. Coincidence? I don't think so. Um, so that's really cool. And uh, we're going to be celebrating on November 13th our Global Missions Conference, uh, which is to um, celebrate what God's doing in Alicante, Spain through uh, Jim and Luann Eaton in forthcoming days. And so super exciting. It's You could see how God in, in over this next month is really highlighting global missions and emphasizing that to us in a fresh way. Um, he said, you will receive power to be my witnesses um, in Jerusalem, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth, right? So he prophesied about this, and um, and so it's a joy to join him. Um, you know, 10 of you have heard this six times. Uh, the rest of you online and here, uh, probably um, in mid-August, I had a dream that uh, Joel was affirming my equipping ministry in Pakistan and three countries near it. Six weeks later, we got an invitation to Pakistan. And so um, we prayed into that. Uh, you know, we did, I did it, uh, I did too. What was God maybe saying through that dream and God just really bringing a peace, a result surrounding that and lead and uh, minute news. And so, um, hey, I just wanted to highlight uh, something about the prophetic as uh, we're about to head into this passage. You know, we say, I will build my life. I will trust in you, right? And some of you, some of us might be thinking like, sometimes, right? Like, or can I really make that promise? Um, can I really make that oath? You know, is this, is this, is there integrity in saying this? I want to encourage you. It's not an oath or a promise. It's not meant to be that. Uh, it's a declaration. And so this is kind of a prophetic intercession 101 uh, thing I'm, I'm talking about, which is I declare over my life, I come into alignment and agreement and decree the truth of the Lord um, that I will trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding, right? In that's what alignment is, right? It's coming into alignment with the Word of God. The Bible says that, you know, and so I just want to encourage that. And on the prophetic, uh, I just want to leave you with um, just, we've shared this at different times, but it's been a long time since we've shared it. If you feel like God is saying something to you um, as we're worshiping and that it's for the body, you know, because sometimes God may be saying something just to you. And I've heard it said, you know, that's bread. And other times it's seed. It's for someone else. Maybe it's a prophetic word for another individual that you're to either pray over them or maybe God would have you to release that to them because it's strengthening, encouraging, or comforting. Um, but if it's for the body, if you think this is for the church and what God's saying right now, I just want to encourage you to come to one of our campus leaders, as in Jake or Caroline or Brooke or Michael, 
Um, and if you can't find, or myself, if you can't find any of us five, um, also know that uh, if anyone on our leadership team can raise their hand, I know like maybe not everybody's here today, uh, Gwen's back there. I just want you to encourage you to come to one of us and we'll discern what to do with it um, in the middle of the service because God speaks to all of us, right? Not just like the leaders uh, of the church. Uh, we're children of God and our spirits testify with his spirit that we're children of God. And as his children, we hear his voice and we follow him. Um, There's no such thing as like a special Christian, right? Um, Okay. Lastly, just want to encourage you, as uh, Brooke did about Upper Room um, tonight. Um, We don't often think of Jesus as the priest of priests, but we're a priesthood of believers and he's the high priest. Uh, We think of him as king of kings. We think of him as lord of lords, but he's also priest of priests. And the call on us as a priesthood, right, is to minister to the Lord. And so I encourage you to do that. Well, we're jumping in right now to our Ezra Nehemiah uh, week five of seven part sermon series where we are looking at uh, this one scroll that we know as two books, Ezra and Nehemiah. And we have, uh, we've been looking at the fact that in all of Israel's history, and we know that even in the life of the church, right, uh, this side of the new covenant, that we have been unable to keep covenant. That's kind of the, the meta narrative is God, the big story is God has um, always made and kept covenant with his people. And we, even where we might have vowed to do so, have broken that time and time again. And so um, we see iterations of that in leadership in this scroll, in the leadership of Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. And today we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 8. So if you have your device and want to turn to that, or your Bibles, it will also be on the screen behind me. Um, Just to give some historical context to where we are that we kind of like to keep on repeat for this series uh, is that God called a man named Abraham and out of him formed a nation, Israel. And Israel went into captivity for 400 years under the oppression of the Egyptians. Uh, They came out of that... a foreshadowing kind of Christ, uh, the the character Moses. Uh, The Lord used him to lead them out of there, and they came to a promised land after facing not too few challenges. They're in the promised land, but the prophets are warning them uh, against breaking the commands of the Lord and oppressing the poor, and yet they're doing so anyway. And so they're sent into exile as a consequence of their sins, and they are now have come out of exile and are back in Jerusalem and reestablishing themselves as God's people in this land. And so uh, I'm going to read this. I'm not going to ask you to read with me as um, I sometimes do. There's a lot of strange names in here, and I thought, how about just one of us mispronounce them and me lead the flock astray uh, in pronunciation? So, um, so if you'll look, and I'll re- read aloud. If you could stand with me, though, in honor of God's word, I appreciate it. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. 
So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hadiah, Messiah, probably not Messiah, huh? Kilta, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago. You sh- oh, all right, we're not on that yet. Okay, you guys can be seated. <laughs> um, so you can go back one, please. Um, okay, so I have started a, a one-year Bible app with a friend. And I've been listening to it while I walk the dog. But I'm not a great auditory learner, and um, also, like, if the scriptures, per- if the purpose of studying scripture and not just skimming it is like to actually engage with it and for in relationship with the Lord and for the Lord to highlight what He wants to highlight to us, um, I'm probably not setting myself up for success right now. It's just it's this temptation to like check it off the list, crush the goal, you know, kind of thing. But I'm really, it's an adventure and missing the point. And it's like, I need to repent of this. (laughs) So I either need to like get better at listening to the Bible or like stop fooling myself, right? Well, not unlike me and my Bible app and my dog walk, um, I see in the leaders here that they're playing at church. Uh, They're playing church in a sense of they're, they're fooling themselves, and they've come with an agenda. For me, it's kind of like it's been in these last couple months to check off the list because I said I would do a thing, right? But it hasn't been really with the purpose of like digging deeper into the Word, letting the Word read me, transforming me in relationship with God as His Spirit works. And so... Um, But you see in the Israelites, uh, in this passage, you see that uh, God is stirring their hearts, right? First of all, it says they came to Ezra as one. And it says they came to him, and that word one means as one man. And so they're unified, right? And they said, read the book of the law to us. And so they're also obedient. Now, I understand they may be coming to, for him to read the book of the law to check off a list or to feel better about themselves or to get approval from God. In other words, with wrong or bad motives. But aren't you glad that God meets us in our sordid motives where we are rather than where we should be? Amen? And so regardless of what their intent is, uh, they've said, Ezra, read us the book of the law. 
And so when they gather to read it, um, we see that their obedience is met with power. Um, they are sustained and attentive. It says that from daybreak, or around 6 a.m., until noon, that's six hours. Six hours or so, they are listening attentively to the law, and that word attentive means attentive. Um, and so God's doing something supernaturally. I don't know about you, but six hours with attentiveness, um, that would be, uh, that's a bit challenging for me no matter what you're talking about. And so we see in them um, that God is stirring. And so not only are they obedient and not only are they unified, they are sustained and attentive. And then it goes on to say that they begin to weep at the law. Um, it seems as though there's contrition among the people. And uh, we're, I'm going to minister with the College of Prayer. The College of Prayer uh, has always trained us as, as teachers in its curriculum, always give preference to contrition. Always give, when the room, when you're in a prayer environment, and the room, there's contrition, there's repentance in the room, is often evidenced by tears, that's your direction from the Lord. <laughs> Don't skip over that with your agenda, right? And so, but we see them say, hey, wait, wait, it's a holy day. Stop crying and be joyful. Like, stop it, be happy, right? <laughs> and it seems like the leaders are missing a moment here. Um, now, this isn't the main point of the passage, but I think it's a really relevant one to all of us, especially to leaders in worship environments, uh, to not look over or past what God's doing because we have a service to get through, because we have a Bible app to get through, right? <laughs> it's for the purpose of following Jesus in His agenda in his timing, in letting our timing be disrupted, right? Well, we know in our culture what it's like, right, to be told to stop crying. Stop crying. Or the nicer way, right, is, it's okay. It's okay. As in, in other words, you can stop making me feel uncomfortable right now by your crying. <laughs> or we all know the internal struggle, right, of like, I need to keep it together without ugly crying in front of this person right now, right? That misperception that it's not okay to cry, and even in this context where God's kindness is leading to repentance, they're told to stop. Don't grieve, it seems they're telling the people. So I don't know what the people are grieving. We don't know why they're crying specifically, but we know that um, they seem to be grieving, whether it's their own sin or the consequences of the sins of their forefathers that have led to exile, right? And they are, there's contrition, and Terry Wardle, the founder of Healing Care Ministry, says, we need to grieve everything that we've lost in proportion to what we've lost. And they're grieving here, and it's being cut off. In the book of Exodus, we see Moses stand above the people and present the law to them on a mount. And as he does, they vow, they confess their sins, and they vow to um, keep covenant and keep the law. And the bigger picture here is that 
as with those in the days of Exodus, uh, of Moses presenting the law, uh, the people here also make the same vows and break them. And that really is the bigger story. It's that we can't follow the law. <laughs> and the people of in Israel in this day couldn't follow it just as they couldn't follow it in the day of Moses. And so, but um, I would just want to point out here that we can be genuinely touched by God in a meeting, right? And unless we let that come to full blossom, um, it'll only remain in seed form or be cut off at the pass. And so what's happened here, right, is they're told to stop weeping in chapters 9 through 12, and more will be expounded on or elaborated on this next week, but they fail at following the covenant, at following the law again, you know. And so, but unless we let that word grow up within us and blossom, and so an example of that would be someone gives you a prophetic word, you've gotten the word three times now, you're supposed to go to seminary. It really resonates with the calling on your life, and you know that when you're honest with yourself, right? But um, if you fail to apply to school, that word's not going to come to pass in your life. Like, it, this isn't some ethereal, heavenly, like, existential thing, right? This is like, there's very practical teeth to this sometimes, like, to the prophetic. When you get a word, sometimes it's very practical, and you either do it or you don't. <laughs> um, and so my point is that when we don't let that grow through obedience, we cut it off at the pass. And so this is what happens to God's people. They experience contrition to start, but then they break covenant and Torah. Um, for some of us, it might be a pattern of behavior in our lives. And God's power, His kindness, meets us with repentance. But Jesus said, repent and believe. And the believe part is the action part. It's evidencing what you believe in with your fruit. It's saying, I'm going to be held, I'm going to confess and be held accountable to this and create a plan according to the will of God to see breakthrough on an ongoing basis in my life until this isn't a thing anymore because the power of the gospel at work in my life. This is why Jesus says that those who hear and do by his spirit the word are those who bear fruit. That those who abide in intimacy with the Lord and stay yielded to him see the seed grow to full blossom. But we can't do that in our own strength, right? We can't accomplish faithfulness on our own. It turns out we need Jesus not just teachings about him, not just the law. So look, even when Jesus stood on a mountain, right? And he taught what he taught. Moses came with the law. The scriptures say Jesus came with grace and truth, right? And when Jesus teaches grace and truth to the people, does it enable them in and of itself to follow what he taught faithfully? I would contend no. <laughs> No, they can't fall. In fact, the grace that Jesus teaches, you can, can argue, is harder to follow than the law. Can you put the next slide on the screen? Jesus said this in his sermon on the, on the mount. 
You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus is so masterful in, his, in this sermon on the mount because he is saying, it's impossible. You can't do this. And he's cutting to the quick. He's cutting right through all of this, right? Saying, this is, you can't, you can't do this. You can't never have this thought in your heart. So what's the remedy for it, right? And the remedy is the power of the Holy Spirit working in God's people in order to follow Him, right? We can't follow the law except by His Spirit. And the only reason that's true is because Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. The law is not bad. The law is good. It's just that the law doesn't save and it finds us wanting. Amen? And so what do we do? Well, first of all, there's life in the blood. One source says that Jesus um, followed the law perfectly, thus fulfilling the law. That Jesus, in Jesus, the prophecies, the messages of the Old Testament were realized. And lastly, that all ceremonial observances were fulfilled, were satisfied by Jesus as the sacrifice that satisfied God's wrath on sin and death, right? So there's life in the blood. And my main point is, and it's on the screen, uh, it should be next, is that, um, oh, yeah, there it is. Only Jesus fulfills the law, and only by His Spirit can we follow it. Or in other words, follow Him, right? And Jesus said, you study the Scriptures, that in them you might have eternal life. But they point to me. But you won't come to me, he says to them. And so in other words, studying diligently the scriptures will not, help, will not enable us to follow the law. Jesus says, they point to me. You have to come to me. And when we come to him, we begin to experience life transformation. We begin, we get to the end of ourselves and realize that there's life in the Spirit. I remember when um, this story came to me this morning. It's kind of fun. I had a dream. I was swimming underwater, and I heard the words, you can swim through walls because you have filaments. That's weird, right? Um, so I looked into that, and filaments are like, you can look uh, on a fish, or like the, um, uh, the, the blood flow that, or, that allows, the fleshy part that allows the oxygen to flow so they could breathe underwater and sustain life in their habitat, right? Um, Jim Skull, you probably know more about this or can say it better than me, but um, our creation guy. But um, so my dad calls me the next day, and he says, you know, I've been thinking about life in the Spirit. And he said, it's like when you don't live your life in the Spirit, or you don't, you don't acknowledge that, um, you know, the power of the Spirit and the need for Him, it's like being anemic. He said, it's, it's like not having enough 
blood flow and not enough oxygen, not enough sustenance to life through the blood, right? So through Jesus, you're catching the metaphor here, the picture. Through Jesus' blood shed on the cross, we now have access to his spirit through faith in him that empowers us to live a holy, free life, to follow the law, right? That by his spirit, we can follow the law. Jesus said he has come to give us life and life abundant. And he means now, and he means him. That like, we can come to him and experience abundant life now. Um, he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Brooke alluded to that passage a few minutes ago. A few weeks ago, I was... I was laying in my bed and I couldn't sleep and I was just heavy hearted about the challenges that Pakistan presents for me and in terms of family and just different things like that. And I said, Lord, I just need a word from you. And, um, I'm, and don't get me wrong, I'm excited and joyful about going and I'm really on the other side of that now more so. But at that time, I was just really wrestling like, you know, um, and uh, I just saw as plain as day, I am with you. I am with you. And I feel like the Lord is saying to many here or online that he is releasing his comfort for your stress right now. Um, and I just want to encourage you with the word that he is with you. Number one, his identity is Emmanuel, God with us. Number two, um, he said, go and make disciples of all nations and I will be with you to the end of the age. Uh, and I'm summarizing that. But the point being, that was the context for my prayer, right? I was going to the nations, and I needed a word, and he said, I'm with you. <laughs> so, so good. But, so when we're heavy burdened, even in those valley places, right, or those hard places, or even in places of gross suffering, right, God, we can know that God is with us, and even there, have a bu abundant life. I shared this in week two because the context was Zerubbabel dedicating the temple at the Feast of Tabernacles. But the verses that follow this one in our, set, in our passage today is also at the Feast of Tabernacles, because this is decades later, okay? Um, and so they're reading the law. They're about to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. They've stopped the weeping, so that they can go and observe this feast, right? And do you know that in Jesus' day, that, um, and they still practice this on the Jewish calendar, the Feast of Tabernacles, but on the seventh day of the feast, it's an eight-day uh, festival, on the seventh day, they march around seven times, and they ask for rain in the time of rain, okay? Now, it's the first week of the rainy season. They're asking for rain in the time of rain, and it symbolizes life in the Spirit. They're asking God to pour out the water of His Spirit, like He poured the wa water out of the rock at Meribah when they were in the wilderness, and they needed physical water, right? Um, they're praying for God to pour out His Spirit, for the Messiah to come as well. And they're praying all these things. And do you know that was the context in which Jesus stood up in his day at this festival in John chapter 7. And he said, 
If any of you are thirsty, come to me. And out from within you will flow rivers of living water. What was he saying in that moment? He was saying, I am God. <laughs> I am the rock who provided you the water in Meribah. I am the water that springs up to eternal life. I am the one pouring out my spirit on all flesh right now for whom you ask the spirit to be poured out. <laughs> Jesus made a great state. The context in that day was really significant and makes it much richer, doesn't it? That he was saying, come to me. And that's what I'm saying to you today, brothers and sisters. Come to me. If we want to keep covenant, if we want to follow the law, we need to live our lives in step with the Spirit. And it's possible because all things are possible for those who believe and all things are possible with God. Amen? All right. There's no one like Jesus, both in who He is and what He's done and does for us. Let's taste and see Him, encountering Him, contending for encounter to taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, six hours they sat there. They sat there until He came, and they began to weep. <laughs> in the upper room, Jesus said, wait in the upper room, right before His ascension, he said, wait in the upper room until you've been clothed with power from on high. And so for some of you, maybe you've come here today and your life is a tangled mess. There's all these things that you still practice and it's kind of like a compartmentalized life. You do these things that are a failure at keeping the law of God. Um, but then you come to church or you do these other things to try to whether balance it out or make yourself feel better about yourself or gain approval from God. And I just want you to know that God loves you right where you are and wants to meet you in your mess. And that the your role in it is to contend for your freedom and for your healing. And we at the Gospel Tab, as a staff and as a leadership team, we are committed to grieving with you, contending with you, toward your healing and your freedom. We do not want to cut that off at the pass. We do not want to enable you to play church. We believe in a gospel that transforms lives. Amen? And so we provide spaces for you to step into the abundant life He has for you. Others of you, you're experiencing deep contrition right now. Online, here, at the Franklin Avenue campus, I trust, are experiencing repentance. God's kindness is touching your heart. And you're saying, oh my gosh, I can't do this on my own. And you're right. And there's good news for that. <laughs> there's one who can. And when you let go of it and let him to uh, be good news for your bad news, you can experience the fullness that he has for you. Others of you are just hungry for the Lord. You are tasting and seeing that he is good. You are experiencing 
experiencing the reality of Him setting your boundary lines in pleasant places, and you just want more of Him. Some of us were singing that song, All I Want Is More Of You, and you're like, I don't know if I could say all that. I was more like the first category that, that Steve just mentioned, you know, like there's this, there's that, there's Jesus plus this. Um, but again, there's a declaration in it, right? It's not an oath or a promise. God knows your heart. He knows where you are. We can come to him as we are and speak those things over our lives because that is alignment with his will and his word to want more of him, to be with him, to lean in and not be passive. Amen. And so some of you are just abandoned to the Lord. You're encountering Him, you're contending for more, and you've found the deep satisfaction and clear conscience that's in Him. You're realizing Him to be a good master because you know everybody serves a master. It's just a matter of who is our master? <laughs> you know, but the the irony or the counter in intuitive reality of the kingdom is that when we come under Jesus' lordship, it's where we experience his freedom. It's where we experience our wholeness. It's where we experience holiness to follow the law by the power of the Spirit. Um, if you could uh, play the music, my understanding is we don't have a musician to play this morning, but I'm going to be wrapping up here. Jesus wants to meet us in whatever place we are because he wants us, right? Like, he identifies with our sickness, our sorrow, our pain. And so he wants us to come to him as he is our healer, to experience him as healer. Um, he sympathizes with us in our weakness, and so he wants us to come to him to experience the forgiveness of our sins, that we can move forward and not remain stuck. Um, still, for others of us, he wants us to know that we belong to him, that we are his. And so he wants us to experience what it is to taste and to see that he is good. He calls us his own, and he wants us to come to him believing He is ours and we are His. Um, he is Yeshua, but He's also our Yeshua. He's our Jesus, right? He belongs to us and we belong to Him. Guys, He wants us to experience that belonging that's found in His presence by His Spirit. And so this is what it is to follow Him. It's to live our lives in the Spirit. It's not trying harder. It's not trying to gain approval that we already have from Him. So what if rather than playing church or staging revival like Ezra and Nehemiah seem to do here, like Jake said, right, they're they're imperfect leaders, but it also, but, but it doesn't mean they were all wrong or bad, or their intentions were all wrong or bad. There were things they did well, but it also just points to that we are longing for something so much more, right, um, than this uh, that we see in this passage. But what if, rather than staging revival, playing at church, we sought his face until he came?
that we sought his face until he came leading to repentance, revival, and even a healed land. And this is his promise. That if we humble ourselves and pray, regardless of our spiritual condition, like the psalmist, we can sing, I'll wait all the day long, Lord. <laughs> because we wait in his presence. And we wait until he comes, knowing that he promises to draw near to us when we draw near to him. Amen. Amen. Not sure who's closing this morning here. I don't remember. Oh, I think I know. And I, okay. I will close. <laughs> I don't see them who I know, think I know about. Um, <laughs> so if the prayer ministers can come forward, uh, I just want to encourage you if you're in any of those, those places where it's like, I'm just hungry for more, or you feel like, just like you're tired of playing at this where your your lives compartmentalized and you want to be free from that and you want to see Jesus at work in every area of your life um, uh, or you're at a place of deep contrition and you're like God's doing something in me and I've come to the end of myself and I want to just surrender this to him so uh, let's pray together Jesus we love you um, and Jesus we thank you that you fulfilled the law and that by your spirit, we can follow you faithfully, Lord God. Um, and uh, Lord, we just, if you can agree with me from your heart, um, just go for it right now. We just surrender to you, Jesus, um, that which we hold on to that inhibits us from receiving what you have for us in Jesus' name. And we receive in its place the way everlasting, Lord God, your love, your life your leadership, Lord. We say it's so good, and it's so much better uh, than other things, and it's so much better than we know. We love you, and we're ready to, to learn more about that love, that leadership, and that lordship. Let's just wait on the Lord for a few moments. Lord, as we wait on you, would you touch your people, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Welcome your work in our hearts right now, Lord. What would you bring into alignment our souls with you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. We surrender our mind, 
our will, our emotions to you, trusting you for alignment, Lord God, with your will. And Lord, for us as a church family, would we um, will and do your good pleasure of receiving and giving your kingdom. And Lord, I'm reminded of what I heard someone say once, that um, you're working all things together for the good. So even those hard things or bad things, you're working together for the good. So if it ain't good yet, it ain't over. And so Lord, we receive your promise, your good news for bad news today for our family on mission. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys are dismissed. I love you.